from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Top of the morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I hope everyone had a magnificent Valentine's Day. If you celebrated the holiday and you marked it as one of yours, I hope you really did enjoy it with your loved ones and significant others. Thank you for being here this morning. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of cybersecurity. For all of those tuning in, just so you know, we've we've been receiving a lot of complaints about people not being getting our notifications on LinkedIn, uh, not being able to see that our feed is actually on LinkedIn. We urge you to not follow. We urge you to go to YouTube or X. Um, that's really the two places uh, where where we see less of a shadow ban. Uh, apparently, supporting Israel constitutes a shadow ban in, on LinkedIn. So just an FYI, if you're not getting the alerts on LinkedIn, if you're not seeing the stuff on LinkedIn, we are kind of having a discussion with LinkedIn over why this is happening, why, uh, I mean, I've, I've had almost 100 people reach out to me and say, I'm not getting notifications that you're going live. I thought you stopped or whatever the case may be. Told all those people to kind of move over to YouTube, move over to X, go grab our content anywhere else. But LinkedIn, um, and in fact, we'll be I'll be reducing most of my activity on LinkedIn unless LinkedIn uh, straightens this stuff out, um, and we'll be moving everything to Substack. So just an FYI uh, for those that might be able to catch this later on. All right, let's go ahead and get started on this morning's show. But before we do that, join me for my double espresso this morning. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Can I get one more sip this morning? Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. Um, I'm seeing some of the comments come through on YouTube of people who have followed us before on LinkedIn and now watch us exclusively on youtube um linkedin has uh has has have it has had its own issues here as well so let's kick off with microsoft yesterday warning of a critical zero-day vulnerability in exchange server now i want to point this out this is exchange server not microsoft exchange online meaning azure ad or what they call it now entra id right this is specific to microsoft exchange server 2019 all right, this is CVE 2024-21410. It's got a CVSS score of 9.8. It's a critical severity flaw as a, it's, and it's a privilege escalation issue that does allow attackers to mount past the hash attacks. They could exploit the bug to relay a user's net NTLM v2 hash against a vulnerable server and authenticate as that user. The root cause of the vulnerability, according to Microsoft, is the NTLM credential relay protection or extended protection for authentication was not enabled by default in the Exchange Server 2019. The issue was addressed with the release of Exchange Server 2019 Cumulative Update 14 CU14, which brings other improvements and fixes as well. Initially, they didn't flag the bug as being exploited, but on Wednesday, they said it is being exploited, and they're urging everyone, if you have an on-prem Exchange Server 2019 or you're using that in, in, in off-site, but that's your Exchange Server, you need... To prioritize getting this hatched uh they're already seeing active exploitations being done uh microsoft mainly blaming russia-based threat actors for this checkpoint for there and also published detail of an additional severity uh critical severity outlook vulnerability cve 2024-21413 with a cvss score of 9.8 this was also resolved with patch tuesday uh this week the bug allows attackers to bypass the office protected view and execute code remotely all together. So there's that there. 
In Canada, the Trans Northern Pipelines have confirmed that their internal networks were breached in November of last year by allegedly the Black Cat Ransomware Group. Sorry, these guys operate nearly uh, 700, uh, just over 730 miles worth of pipeline in uh, Ontario and in Alberta. Uh, they transport nearly 221,300 barrels of refined petroleum products daily. The pipelines are underground and transport gasoline, diesel fuel, aviation fuel, and heating fuel from refineries to distribution terminals. They experienced a cyber incident in November of last year, impacting a limited number of internal computer systems, according to Lisa Dornan. Uh, they've worked with third-party experts to quickly contain and get their systems back online. The reason this is now mainly hitting everything is because Alpha Cat is now saying, aka Black Cat, Alpha 5, aka Black Cat, sorry. Um, are saying that they stole 183 gigabytes of documents from the company's network, and they're saying if the company doesn't pay up, they're going to release that. Um, so there's that as well uh, for those folks. A new Wi-Fi authentication bypass vulnerability was found in open source software. It could expose many enterprise and home networks to attacks. The vulnerabilities were discovered by Mathai Van Hoff, a professor at KU Leuven Research University in Belgium, and Helois Goyler, a student at KU Leuven, in collaboration with VPN testing company Top 10 VPN. Um, Vanoff is a well-known Wi-Fi security researcher. Uh, he's discovered plenty of attacks. This new one is considered a WPA uh, supplicant and Intel's iNet wireless daemon software. The supplicant provides support for WPA, WPA2, and 3, and is present in all Android devices, a majority of Linux and Chromebook OSs. The vulnerability tracked to CVE 2023-52160 can be exploited against users connecting to an enterprise Wi-Fi network. The flaw can allow an attacker to trick a targeted user into connecting to a malicious Wi-Fi network, mimicking the enterprise network, and then intercepting the victim's traffic. No user interaction is required. For this one and the reason this is kind of getting a lot of attention is because rightfully so this is really easy to abuse and it's predominantly available on a lot of these byod devices so there's a whole youtube example of how they do that this is in the show notes go check it out it's really worthy watching my home county of fulton county georgia was a victim of a ransomware attack we talked about that on the show recently well now lockbit is claiming responsibility for the ransomware attack on fulton county we're three weeks past the incident and government has yet to really return to full functioning which you know in all aspects of government that's 100 percent true they're slow and they don't move as fast um fulton county chairperson rob pitt said on the 29th of january that there were no indication that they stole any sensitive information belonging to citizens or employees but the investigation was still at an early stage in the press conference Prompted by the attackers uh, posting Fulton County as a victim on their website, Pitt confirmed a ransomware attack, saying there's no details about who's really responsible. They're uh, threatening with maximum publicity, saying we're gonna, we've got confidential information, all that good stuff. Do not bend at the knee, Fulton County. Do not do it. Fight. So Microsoft and OpenAI released a new blog post. I thought really, really great. I'm surprised not a lot of other uh, publications picked this up. Dark Reading did a pretty decent job of, of taking that blog post and turning it into a really cool article. Um, APTs aligned with China, Iran, North Korea, and Russia are using LLMs to enhance their operations. 
this is no surprise. We always knew at some point this was going to come through. But the nation states APTs using OpenAI today are among the world's most notorious. Consider Forrest Blizzard, a.k.a. Fancy Bear. These guys are behind the DNC hack, the Ukraine terrorizing, the main directorate of the general staff of the armed forces of the Russian Federation affiliated unit has been using LLMs for basic scripting tasks like manipulating manipulation, data selection, multiprocessing, and so on, as well as intel gathering, researching satellite communication protocols, and radar imaging technologies all likely retaining to the war war in Ukraine. Two Chinese straight actors have been chat GPTing. It's turned into a verb, y'all. It's turned into a verb. Lately, uh, that's Charcoal Typhoon and Salmon Typhoon. Um, the former has been making good use of AI for both pre, pre-compromise malicious behavior, gathering information about specific tech platforms and vulnerabilities, generating and refining scripts, and generating social uh, engineering text in translated languages, as well as post-compromise, uh, performing advanced commands, achieving deeper system access, and gaining control in systems. Salmon Typhoon, for their part, have been primarily focused on LLM as an intelligence tool, sourcing publicly available information about high-profile individuals, intelligence agencies, internal and international politics, and more. It's been largely unsuccessful uh, in its attempt. Iran's Crimson sandstorm is using OpenAI to develop phishing material emails pretending to be from an international development agency for example or a feminist group or a code snippet to aid their operation for web scraping executing tasks when users sign into an app and so forth and then there's our friends in north korea and kim jong-un's emerald sleet which like other apts turn to api for basic scripting tasks phishing content generation and researching publicly available information on vulnerabilities as well as experts, think tanks, and government organizations concerned with defense issues and nuclear weapons program. If these malicious uses of AI seem useful, but not science fiction level cool, there's a reason why. These threat actors are not effective enough to be tracked by, are are effective enough to, to be tracked by Microsoft and likely already proficient at writing software, according to principal AI engineer and security researchers at App Omni joseph thacker generative ai is amazing but it's mostly helping humans be more efficient rather than making breakthroughs at the moment thacker warns that ai still offers advantages to attackers likely trying to deploy malware and so forth as well as helping them get that so you ought to remain vigilant but understand if the attackers are using it you should be too don't block it off chinese speaking threat actor codenamed cold factory has been attributed to the development of highly sophisticated banking trojans, including a previously undocumented iOS malware called Gold uh, Pick Axe that's capable of harvesting identity documents, facial recognition data, and intercepting SMS. Group IB, based in Singapore, said that the Gold Pick Axe family is available for both iOS and Android platform. It's believed to be a well-organized uh, Chinese-speaking cybercrime group with close connections to Gigabud. Active since at least the mid of last year, Gold Factor is also responsible for another Android-based banking malware called Gold Digger. Talked about that extensively on the show last summer. Social engineering campaigns distributing the malware have been found to target the Asia-Pacific region, specifically Thailand and Vietnam. They're masquerading as local banks and organizations. Again, this is predominantly a uh, financial cybercrime tool being used by the Chinese here, uh, trying to take over... uh, deep fake videos facilitated by face swapping ai um, or trying to get through face id and other things of that nature so this is coming 
They're testing it in places like Thailand, in Vietnam. They're testing it in those places because no one really pays attention, but it's coming. And if you're using this tech, you ought to be studying these types of attacks. And to do that, you can go to our show notes on Substack and find it all there. Uh, Krebs on security yesterday published a brand new story about the U.S. Internet Corp a business unit called Securedance, which is specializing in providing filtered secure email services to businesses, educational institutions, and government agencies worldwide. But until it was notified last week by Krebs, U.S. Internet was publishing more than a decade's worth of internal of its internal emails and that of thousands of Securedness clients in plain text out on the Internet just to click away for anyone with a web browser. The company based in Minnetonka, Minnesota, a U.S. Internet's a regional ISP that provides fiber and wireless internet service. The ISP Securedness division bills itself as a leading provider of email filtering and management software that includes email protection and security services for small business, enterprise, education, and government institution worldwide. Roughly a week ago, Krebs was contacted by Hold Security Alex Holden when researchers unearthed a public link to a U.S. Internet email server listing more than 6,500 domain names each with its own clickable link. Drilling down into those individuals' domain links revealed inboxes for each employee or user of these exposed websites. Some of the exposed emails dated back to 2008. Others were recent as to present day. Um, among their customers was the official website for the state of North Carolina, uh, Stillwater, the city of Stillwater, Minnesota, as well as the city and for the government of Frederick, Maryland. Incredibly included in this giant index were emails from uh, that were the internal messages for every current and former employee and its subsidiary, USI Wireless. Since that index also included messages of U.S. Internet CEO's Travis Carter, he Krebs forwarded one of those to Mr. Carter's emails, along with a request to understand how the company exactly managed to screw things up so spectacularly. Within minutes, U.S. Internet pulled all the published inboxes offline. Mr. Carter responded to the steam was investigating how it happened and instead of, Hey, Krebs, are you looking to do some consulting? Obviously, uh, um, you know, there's that, um, they've given a technical explanation to the issue that they ha- were experiencing. Apparently, uh, there was an issue with the Ansible playbook that controls the NGINX configuration for the IMAP servers and that incorrect configuration let all that data be live out there, but it's just a matter of well, how long, why wasn't this picked up before? There's that there as well. And our final news of the day, 5% of Cisco's global workforce is getting laid off in part of a restructuring plan by the networking giant. About 5% of their uh, workforce will be laid off in the coming weeks. Cisco has uh, nearly 85,000 employees, according to its website, so I'm sure we'll start to see some friends uh, be part of this. So as you know, if you know anyone from Cisco getting laid off, please let us know. We'd love to share their profile and help them land their next role. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more on Monday. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, y'all stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.